and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. It is a David and Wally special yet again. Steven is on his way back from Aruba as we speak, so we will have him back next week. David, it's you and me. It's the way it should be. It's back to 10 years ago. It's just the way it is. How are you doing, buddy? And uh, what's going on in your life? I'm doing all right. Can't complain. It's the same old, same old for me. Just uh, busy with work and, uh, I don't know, living the dream. The American dream. Work, sleep, and eat. That's the only thing that I'm good at. So that's actually <laughs> perfect. But, dude, a couple things. All right, first of all, this DK Metcalf video. Where are you at? Because at first I thought it was so clearly and obviously fake. But now that it's still kind of hanging around a little bit, is there a chance that DK Metcalf's actually a superhero? <laughs> I see, I thought it was fake too. And I feel, I feel like it is because he responded to the whole drug test, the tweet or whatever. And he's like confirmed. Like, I, I just feel like, maybe not so much dude he floated like mary poppins uh, he it was not even the the elevation was ridiculous in its own right but it was like he sat still in the air it reminded me of that you everybody's been seeing it, if you've been clicking on it on social media the kobe jumping over the car that was clearly fake but 15 years ago it looked a little different i don't know i just i thought it was clearly fake and here we are talking about it three days later in reality it's probably real but like I just like if you break down the video, that's probably like a 40 some odd inch vertical. Like it probably is real, but it doesn't feel like it should be. I don't know. Maybe it's just because people like you and I like that looks it doesn't look possible. Like it looks like he's jumping to my head where at this point, I don't know if I have a 12 inch vertical, let alone another 28 on top of that. I just had to ask that first of all. But on top of that, David, the Daytona 500 was yesterday, which means Hillbilly Wally got the show back up because unlike a lot of people, I don't know if I can get into the XFL. Can you? It's, it's, I've been struggling. Two things. What a wild ending to NASCAR. Like, what a wild ending to the Look 500. Look at you watching NASCAR. I'm proud of you. I watched the last, like, 15 laps all of which were impeded by some kind of crash until the restart and then another crash and a finish but you know so back to the xfl right i think it's a really interesting g league concept for the nfl it, it would be a really interesting you throw your practice squad players into the xfl or something and you figure out talent because after the first rodeo of the xfl we got a couple a couple backup quarterbacks, a couple backup players. Like we got a couple players into the NFL based on the XFL. So I think it could be a really interesting NFL pipeline for practice squad players or backups or players who don't have a chance. But watching it, like when I see AJ McCarron tearing up the field and throwing hospital balls and getting away with it, I'm turned off to the product. It's fun in the moment but then like i'm watching the highlights and i'm like ah this would be like six interceptions if he was playing a real nfl game like i i just don't know how i feel about it what bothers me is i saw somebody out there it was a nobody on twitter like us where they were tweeting about 
this is impossible to watch. I, it's not a product I want to I want to see. And then you had some football beat writer respond with something that's like saying the group of five should never play football, that you only watch the power five. But when you start thinking about it, what are you watching on Saturday? Are people lining up to watch Akron versus Miami of Ohio? And that's with all due respect to your Red Hawks. But like you don't watch that. You're going to watch Florida State Clemson. You're going to watch Notre Dame NC State. You're not watching that. And I don't th- – you should not feel shamed for saying – I'm going to spend my weekends in the off season not watching football. And I that's taboo. We're on a football podcast, but it's how I feel. No, I'm with you. It's it's like if nothing else is on, sure, I'll turn it on, but I it is it's just not a product I want to watch. Yeah, I don't need to watch Ben DiNucci and Aaron or AJ McCarron get into a duel 18-15 where mind you most of those points are not most, but some of those points are coming on like three point conversions and fourth and 15 onside kicks. Like I'm all for talking about how these rules work in the XFL and if we should implement them in the NFL going forward, but I don't have to watch six yard slants and drop 10 yard curls over and over again in 12 to 13 games. I, I just don't need it. I'm good. Here's okay, but you bring up a funny, a fantastic point, right? Or a fun point, maybe not a fantastic one, a fun one. I was really the riding high on the fantastic rule. word there. The onside kick rule of fourth and 15 or onside kick. If you brought that to the NFL, it'd have to be fourth and 30, and I'd be on board. Fourth I don't even 30. think it has to be that much. Give me, I think 20 is the magic number. You think, man? Because I've watched the Browns give up like fourth and 50s before. And I feel like it'd be real entertaining. Fourth and 30, you got to run a trick play. The chances of an onside kick are probably 10% every time you kick it. Of actually, I, I don't even think it's that high. I think it's down to like yeah. 3 or 4% with the new right. rules. It's, it's not high, right? But like fourth and 30 has to be in like the 15 to 20% range, maybe. Maybe a little lower, but like still very low, but generally more possible. And so... I feel like that would be a fun twist for the end of games if you're trying to kick an onside kick. See, I I guess it's fun. It's exciting. But do you like the prospect of a Joe Burrow, a Patrick Mahomes, one of these elite quarterbacks, seeing a two or a three-score game get blown where they don't even have a say in it because now you're putting it up against the Browns and Raiders defenses out there of the world where fourth and 20 yes, is not that crazy. That's why, but that's why, because first of all, if if you're Patrick Mahomes, and you got three scores of an advantage and you can't score one more time when you get the ball back or your defense can't hold fourth and 30, three consecutive times, then you're not winning a lot of games either way. Like if your defense gives up all of those conversions you have the worst defense in the NFL. It's just that like, it's that simple for me. You have the worst defense in the NFL. If you're going up three state, even if you do fourth and 20, three straight fourth and 20s, you give that up. You never deserve to win the game in the first place. You're right. Here's a, here's a thing I want to know though, because we've seen now refereeing in the NFL being under a microscope. 
what happens when on these fourth and 20 calls, you get a, an illegal contact away from the ball, or you get a holding penalty that's like eight yards downfield. There's just these little things that are the refs going to swallow their whistle? Are we going to expect them to make the right call and give the ball? Or do we maybe make alteration to rules on these plays where it's like an illegal contact makes it fourth and 15. It's no automatic first down. Uh, These are just kind of things I'm thinking of here. It's a valid concern. However, here's what actually would happen. Social media would give an uproar and the NFL would take the same bullets that it's been taking for a decade and a half. And you, Steve and I would have a 30 minute segment on the show to address the concerns. And, and it, it, it's going to be the same whether that, ha- that rule were to happen or whether we roll with the same rules. <laughs> There's going to be something stupid that happens that nobody agrees with, but the NFL is like, eh, okay. You're you're right. And I think for me, though, this spring, the thing I'm most looking forward to beyond the different rules is just to see whether or not it's the USFL or the XFL that kind of takes control is the second kind of league out there. And I'd imagine USFL is probably the most likely, given the fact that you have all of these teams playing at one place, that being in Canton, at that one location. Great idea, by the way. They have fans. like They're selling season tickets for like 20 30 bucks. So if you live in the area, it's something to consider. But I, I, I don't know. It's, again, I'm kind of just talking in circles here. But... That's about as much interest I have in these leagues is how they're going to impact the NFL, not what happens there. But David, as you know, we've been doing a question here of late. We're getting back into flow now that we're into the offseason. We were looking before. We found a few, I say a few, there's a massive list of would-you-rathers, and it's going to send us down a wormhole this offseason, so I hope you're ready. But for those at home, David picked this one, so I'm going to throw it over to you first. What do you think? Would you rather be in jail? And this says jail, but I guess you can decide for yourself if this is prison, if this is white-collar prison, or whatever, or would you rather be in a coma for 10 years? Five years in custody, 10 years coma. What's your answer? Man, these would-you-rathers are all off-season long are going to make me the most annoying host on this podcast because here's the thing. what is Where where are we going to jail? Is it like county jail? Is it max like is it maximum security? You know, uh, do I drop the soap? Like, I, I want to know all the specifics. And oh my God, honestly, that's great. I don't think I'd survive in jail. I think I would get annoyed with people and I would say something like horrifically sarcastic and then I'd be stabbed. So my answer is going to be coma for 10 years, despite the fact that the comeback from that to normal life would be probably a hundred times harder than jail for five. It goes back to what you said. If this is maximum security or if I'm down in I can't remember what that one prison is. It's either in Mexico or somewhere in Latin America where there's just like a dozen murders a day, like no big deal. We can't do anything. There's too many people, not enough guards. Then, yeah, it's like, obviously I'm going coma. But if we're talking like white collar prison, even just like a little solitary confinement where you're only in the yard for an hour a day, 
at least you have five years to kind of learn and better yourself. Like you have classes in jail. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Sorry, David. We have classes you might put in yourself jail. into a coma over there. No kidding. <laughs> but we have classes in jail. We have TVs in jails now. There's like a bunch of things. So for me, I'd rather have five years where you're still experiencing life and you can get better. Where for a coma, you wake up and I'm going to be 39 in this scenario. I would be in such a bad mental headspace. I don't think there's a chance. I think without a doubt for me, it's jail. Who knows? If I'm dropping the soap, I mean, that's not ideal. Uh, it's certainly not something I'm looking forward to, but I don't know. it. I, this is hard. These are all – this is the spoiler. The fun fact about this Would You Rather page that we found, they're almost all negative. So there's not, like, positive outcomes. So – that's why I need to know the details. I <laughs> well, it's it's almost like, you know, those like old school, like, well, you press this button, a person in the world dies and you get a million dollars. And there was that movie that came out, you push it. And it's the last person that got asked the same question dies. So you might get a million dollars in 24 hours from now, David's pushing the button and I'm pushing up daisies. So I don't know. I think I'm taking jail. And I'm risking everything that comes with that. All right. So let's throw it into NFL news after that riveting segment about why I'm going to be the most knowing host in the history of podcasts for the next, I don't know, four months. The real would you rather it's what soap is it? Is it, is this like a Irish spring old spice dove? It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Carry on David. (laughs) All right. Wally near and dear to your heart. NFL news. Derek Carr officially released. What's next for Las Vegas, and where does Carr go? Well, first of all, this hasn't gotten as easy as I expected it to be. I expected to kind of like become more numb to this as it goes on, and I'm more invested than ever is where he's going to go. And this last week, we've seen pictures of him meeting with the brass in New York, with Robert Salah, with everybody that is – a high profile GM or front office figure there. And it sounds like it was a really successful trip in that the jets are really high on Derek Carr. For me, I think it's the most logical place for him to go. He it's a team that's ready to win. Now just needs a steady quarterback in place with that defense, with that coaching staff and on with the young wide receivers they have there too. Good line. If they stay healthy, So for me, it's without a doubt them. And here's the kicker. Of all these teams that we're going to be talking about here, they're basically in the best spot besides one other team I'll get to later because the Jets are only $264,000 in debt right now. They're going to be fine. They're going to be able to move a few pieces around. And here's the thing, too, is Derek Carr seems like the type of human being to me that given what the Raiders just did to him, he would sign a $25, $30 million deal in New York to play in the right environment, to go to a place he can prove he's a winner, and it's just going to turn around as like a giant middle finger to Raider fans. So as much as I'm torn, I think the Jets is the most likely. What do you think? I think there are four possibilities, and I'm with you on the Jets. I think that's the most obvious choice for both parties. The Jets traded what was at the time the keys to the, the kingdom for the rights to draft Sam Darnold, 
or no, to get Sam Darnold in 20, 2018, 2017. Is that 2017? I don't think that was even that long ago. I think it might have been 2020. God, it feels so – it just – whatever. When you have bad quarterbacks like that, they, it's, they it's choose, like it blends together. Yeah, they traded the keys of the kingdom for Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm an idiot. This is a football podcast. Somehow I don't remember anything specific. Uh, then years later, they used the number two overall pick on the worst quarterback in the draft class. And I don't even think that's hindsight 2020. I think that was a bad pick when they picked it, but neither here nor there. The The Jets need a sure thing at quarterback without giving up assets. And that only option this offseason is Derek Carr. So I like that. I like that. And to your point, I do think he would probably take a slight pay cut at like $30 million a year to go play for the Jets and, and maybe sign like a two-year deal or something. But, you know, it makes the most sense for both parties. My other three teams here. Before Panthers, you go, and you just get you just said it, if people have eagle ears at homes, they were able to hear that. David, I apologize. I'm the moron here. I don't know why. I'm looking at the rundown so I saw your top team on this list which is why I thought you were talking about the Panthers trading the form for Sam Darnold, which happened around 2020, where the Jets, I get what you're saying now, going up to get him, that had to be the Baker Mayfield year. What was that, 2018? Was that third overall they took him? That was third overall they took him. They traded into third because the Barkley was second. Yeah, so Barkley was, was second. 18, 17 draft, 18 season, I don't know. But, but yeah. still, yeah, I mean, what? I mean, we're talking four or five years ago, and then since then, you followed up with Zach Wilson, like you said, which is pathetic. So I just had to clear it up to the people at home and to you. I'm in the idiot. Don't blame David. And that leads you into your second team, David, the Carolina Panthers. Yes, the Panthers. So over the last five years, which includes Sam Darnold as well, funny enough. You can see where I got the, NFL. Oh, the, the, the wires crossed with the Panthers and uh, Sam Darnold now. Sorry, I'm a mental midget. Mental little person. Sorry, I I got 2020, I was like, Jesus Christ, do I not remember when Baker Mayfield was drafted? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I should, if anybody, I I should know that it was you. So again, hand up, that's on Wally. (laughs) No, but so the Panthers, second worst passing offense in the NFL over the last five years. They have an adjusted completion percentage of a mere 23.1% over that span. I mean, the Panthers desperately need a quarterback, and they need one, again, without giving up assets. And, you know, this is going to be the theme of where Derek Carr goes, right? Because the teams that want him or need him, want him and need him, can't really give up assets to go get a quarterback. So he is the best option. And he's a great option, by the way. I'm not trying to sell Derek Carr short. He's a phenomenal quarterback. I just think that these particular teams need him the most because they can't they they have to give up the least. Um, well, let me so, ask you a question about that though. So what? and we'll come back to remind me to come back to Derek Carr in February here in a second too, being cut because that's a big factor with everything. But Frank Reich is obviously the new head coach in Carolina and they have an entirely new staff, like top to bottom, and it's juicy with big names. We'll talk about that in rapid fire. But I wanted to ask you, with all of these high-profile coordinators and with Frank Wright as a head coach, is this a place that they want to draft their successor? Or do you think that they're comfortable bringing in Derek Carr where he's going to probably want security of a three-, four-, five-year deal? 
Well, if you're smart, you draft it. But if you're Frank Reich, you're a big fan of the old quarterbacks. So you go out and you get your quarterback like Derek Carr. If you want my my honest answer, I think Frank Reich goes after Derek Carr hard. It's just the theme with him, right? The last two years of his tenure in, in Colts, it was two retired, basically retired quarterbacks. And I'm not saying Derek Carr is even close to that point. I'm just saying the theme is there. I had them in like an honorable mention category for me. I have, I think there's a massive gap between the top two teams. And I have the Panthers as that third-ish team where it's all the NFC South teams to me. It's the Saints, the Bucks, and the Panthers. The tricky part for the Bucks and the Panthers, or the Bucks and the Saints, excuse me, is that they are really far over the cap right now. And it would take a lot of movement where the Panthers, they're only about 8 million over the cap. And we've seen now over the last few years, that is nothing. If they want car bad enough, they can definitely make that happen. I have as my second team is the Washington commanders where it's where quarterbacks go to die. And I think I'd be nervous about it until you factor in. Yeah. They have a ton of weapons. Offensive line is not exactly something to desire over, but you also bring in Eric Bieniemy, who we have a million question marks about. We'll get into him as well. And they have $8 million in cap space, mind you. So it makes sense for them. They have the most out of, I think, all the contenders out there. But I think the commanders just make sense. When you close your eyes, I feel like Derek Carr to Washington is very possible. I'd say it's possible, but I don't. If I'm Derek Carr, that's the last place I want to go. Just if, because of organization structure? The organization that, that you, I mean, I guess you got Scary Terry, but it's the last place I want to go from an organization standpoint. You've got, and it's the same, it, I, I realize it's the same concept as like the Browns or Raiders, like never signing free agents because free agents don't want to play here, right? That's bullshit. But if you are a great, a great quarterback, and you have these options, there are like three or four way better options out there than the commanders. And it's only because I just like the coaching staff. I'm not a fan of it's a, it's an average coaching staff at best. And the owner is the worst in the sport and maybe the worst across all sports. If you really want to get into it, I just, will he you know. be there next year or in the year after though? Yeah. But that's like, again, that's like, why am I playing that game as Derek Carr when I got, you know, I got the Jets, I got the Jets calling my name, which is the best setup you can ask for. Mm -hmm. I've got, you know, New Orleans calling my name, who has better offensive players around me. I don't know why you go there unless they offered you 60 million a year or something fucking stupid, which very well they could do. But I just, it doesn't make sense in my eyes. The only other two teams that I had here, and you mentioned one, the Bucks. I like the Bucks for him only because it's an incredible offense. Even if you don't re-sign one or two of the receivers, as long as you keep one of them, it's an incredible offense. It's a rebuilding but formidable defense. It just seems like a great fit for Carr, and it's in the warm weather climate. You're the one who brought it up to me weeks ago is that he apparently he's bad in cold weather, which I never knew. He's but, got Penny, Kenny Pickett hands. Oh God. So apparently that's, that's the best option for him in warm climate, but my dark horse is actually Miami and it's Miami because it's a super bowl ready team. I'm not sure Tua is even alive at this point. 
So I like Derek Carr feels like a great fit. I don't know. It's just like my dark horse candidate. If you are going dark horse, I think that it makes sense, especially with McDaniel, who nah, that's the only problem is that you've seen their ownership almost send out smoke screens that they don't like McDaniel as much as 31 other teams in the NFL seem to like McDaniel. But I think almost anybody else out there says, I'm betting on this young head coach to be able to take Derek Carr and get the next step. It, like one of the things that have killed me is I've been reading today, Vic Taffer or Vic Taffer, I can never remember how it's pronounced. The Raiders beat writer, he has started kind of showing his anti-car bias of late. And he's talking about how a lot of teams out there believe Derek Carr is not responsible for the Raiders record over the last nine years. And that he's been almost a person that's inflated it. And to me, that's obvious. I've been saying it forever that this is a team that has no defense. The quarterback is not the problem. But again, we go back to half of Raiders fans thought that he was. So somebody's going to be taking a gamble and saying, we're going to get the high side of Derek Carr that many people didn't think was out there. And if that is there, I mean, it would be, it would be fun to see. The only question I'd have is they just hired a new uh, offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach from Seattle, Dave Canales. And he was there for 13 years with Pete Carroll. You got to see him work with Russell Wilson. And you know, I don't like Russell Wilson that much. I don't think he's as good as people wanted him to be, but he got a lot out of him. And look what happened with Gino last year. So if they think that they can do that with Derek Carr, Derek Carr was at a much higher starting point than Gino Smith was last year. So I'd, I'd entertain that as a, a fun little That's dark, a horse, dark horse candidate. That's a really Absolutely. good dark horse. Yeah, yeah, I can see you. you're strutting yourself now. You're like, yeah, I feel pretty good about that one. That's going to bring us to the end of NFL news, which is going to lead us into 911 Rapid Fire. And 911 Rapid Fire is going to be brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're around our age where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. Feels like they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. We're on our Instagram page at Sapphire. Again, that is abbyturnerphoto.com. Cue the sirens. You hear them. It's 911 Rapid Fire. David, we have a lot of coaching news to talk about. Why don't you get us going? All right. So I'm just going to – we're doing a little something different for all those at home. I'm just going to read all of this news real quick in rapid-fire style, and then we're going to pick and choose here, all right? So, first off, new Panthers head coach, Frank Wright, putting together a staff uh, of big names. You mentioned that earlier. Jim Caldwell, assistant head coach. Ezra Evero, and I'm sorry if I butchered that for everyone at home who actually knows the real pronunciation. Defensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, offensive coordinator. Josh McCown, QB coach. Deuce Staley, running backs coach. Ravens go to college. <laughs> Ravens go to college to find their new offensive coordinator. I knew you were going to be enjoying this one. Great, great writing in the rundown from Wally there. Todd Munkin, uh, who's been at Georgia since 2020, replacing Greg Roman. 
uh, after the team agreed to split ways. Dumb move, by the way. Eric Bieniemy makes an interesting move to become Washington's offensive coordinator, a lateral move. Bucks hire Seahawks QB coach Dave Canales. Again, butchering names at home all day long. I read them, never hear them. He's going to be their new OC. Chargers hire in-house to fill their uh, defensive coordinator position by promoting their DB coach, Derek Ainsley. Also a hot name in the cycle after two years with the Chargers. And then some rumors here. Rex Ryan interviewed for the defensive coordinator for the Broncos. Rumored to be the top candidate. That's going to be a throwback. And I'm just going to stop it. Great hire if they do. But last but not least, Jim Leonard interviewing for the Phillies, uh, Phillies, for Philadelphia's uh, defensive coordinator opening. Wally, I said it. Just give me your top ones. What do you want to talk about? Well, I feel obligated to talk about these big name rumors. This is going to be an unconventional 9-1 run rapid fire because we sped read all of that. But there's so many coordinators. We have to talk about a few in depth here. And I love that you kind of talked about it being a good hire because I'm up in the air on Rex Ryan. And I'll tell you the reason why, because I think he's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. But you remember what happened when the Browns on hard knocks and Hugh Jackson, I ate crow for like a year and a half. It might be even more. I wanted to have his back because I watched a Raiders team go eight and eight with him, which felt like walking on water in the 2002 to like Derek Carr stretch. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But you remember, you had, oh my God, I'm in a space on his name, Todd Haley, excuse me, and Greg Williams as defensive coordinator. Those were two big personalities. And they clashed with the head coach. Sean Payton and Rex Ryan are Sean Payton and Rex Ryan's biggest fans on earth. I almost just wonder, would that be a positive, the cohesion where you take care of offense, I'll take care of defense, or is it going to be the, you can't get an effing stop for us? Oh, dude, can you score more than 14 points today? Like, And then it turns into a, a toxic relationship before the teams or between the teams. That's just where I think there's more up in the air than I would think. I don't know. That's just my thought. What, what were your thoughts on Rex Ryan? So that's a that's a fantastic point. I didn't think about it from that angle, from a personality's perspective. But just from a straight defensive coordinator position hire, I mean, I didn't even know he was on the market. That's a that he's a great defensive coordinator. But to your point, he's got a big mouth and he never shuts it. So how will that play with Sean Payton? I I'd have to think about that more. But just well, it's a, just like imagine like Russell Wilson stays bad and they start two and five next year. Rex Ryan's not going to be the quiet defensive coordinator. It's just like, well, we just have to do our job. He's going to be in the media with a microphone in his face. We need to have better quarterback play. And who does that fall back on? It falls back on Sean Payton. And then you get that little rivalry there. So again, sorry to cut you off, David. No, you're right. That's, that's an interesting one. If you really think about the personalities perspective, but I, we need to jump to Eric Bieniemy because this one is like on the tip of my tongue. What an interesting move. It is a total lateral move, and it makes I'd no argue sense it's not me. lateral. But it makes no sense to me unless he thinks he is going to get a head coaching position after working with the commanders for a season. And I think there's a bigger potential for 
this all to blow up in his face than him getting a head coaching position. Because if he goes to Washington and their offense is terrible, now the blame's on him. Like, that's all on you. And if you do that, Andy Reid's not hiring you back. He's going to find somebody that's equal to you in a heartbeat. And he's not just going to, like, fire that person to bring you back. So you left a multi-Super Bowl going forward contender to potentially be good enough to potentially get your own head coaching gig. And my thing about that potentially is, is the guy's already interviewed like with, I don't know, six different teams over the last two or three cycles. I think it's more than that. Yeah. I I really think it's been like 15, 20 teams. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that, that it is a coincidence that they're just not giving him a shot. I think he is a terrible interviewer. And I think there are some skeletons in the closet that nobody's willing to expose him for. And that's why he's not getting hired. I actually don't disagree with the reasoning because I know we've talked a lot on here, especially with the Texans where there is racism in the hiring process still in the NFL level. I think nobody's like denying that, but I don't think Eric B is the poster boy for that considering the fact that he has been getting interviews left, right, and center. And I've maintained for a long time that if people believe Eric Bieniemy is an offensive innovator, you are drought or you're, you're bringing him on because you want to win a championship. And that is first and foremost, what, first of all, I don't think it's a lateral move. This is going from Patrick Mahomes. And I get that you're not going to get the credit in KC. But now you're going to have Sam Howell as the starting quarterback as we are sitting right now, unless they go and get a veteran and quarterback or a veteran quarterback in free agency like Derek Carr, or if you're going into the draft cycle and hoping that somebody falls to you or you're going to have to move up. It, the, the only thing I can hope if I'm Eric Bieniemy is that I'm going to have a built-in insurance policy of two years. And I, I'm not expected to do anything because it is Sam Howell. On the flip, you have a very talented wide receiver room in Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. I think that they're going to have expectations, especially that they brought Ron Rivera back yet again. They want that defense to take another step. Chase Young will be healthy. I, dude, I, I don't I don't like it. I feel I, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I'm happy that he's out of KC on the off chance that he is a factor. But we won't know. It's like when you watch Matt Patricia, you watch Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, all these football minds that we believe are good or promising, leave Bill Belichick, and then they leave, and we don't see the results. That I mean, going to your point, I doubt that he's even in his back of his mind saying, well, maybe Casey will hire me back. But that's the only saving grace if he is fired is that Bill Belichick has proven that he will bring back people that have worked in the past. He doesn't care if it's not good in the media. So maybe he gets hired back long-term, but that's a long-winded answer to say, I don't know what he's doing. I really don't. David, you have been a notorious anti-Lamar fan. You hate the Ravens. It's not a secret. You're a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. Bringing back Todd Munkin 
who you got to witness in Baker's rookie season as the offensive coordinator with the Browns. What did you think? I was torn. A part of me thought that I do like the the fact that Munkin is a guy that changes his offense on his scheme or in the personnel. But then at the same point, up until two years ago, it wasn't exactly like he was the hottest name on the market. Todd Munkin is slightly above average as an offensive coordinator. Maybe. Maybe. Like not buying into the Stetson Bennett jump here, huh? No, I'm not. Because here's the thing. Coaching the personnel he's coached historically and coaching an offense for Lamar Jackson is a whole different world. You are not throwing the ball in a West Coast offense style. You're not throwing the ball a bunch. You are run first and you hope it opens up the pass game for Lamar Jackson. And that's what you are. Greg, I I think it is so funny that people blame Greg Roman and that the team split ways with him because that man is single-handedly responsible for hiding Lamar's horrific accuracy as a passer. You can blame him for wide receivers not going there, but you can also blame him for Lamar Jackson's success as a player. And I just think, and maybe I'm wrong. Here's the thing. Maybe I'm wrong, and I I am willing to admit that I was wrong a year from now if Lamar Jackson looks phenomenal still as a player, and especially in the pass game with with Munkin. I, I'm willing I'm willing to to throw in the towel and say I was wrong, but this also has potential to go the exact opposite way and be a total disaster for the Ravens. And to be honest, that's what I'm praying for because you know, fuck everyone else in the AFC North. No, I, I literally feel the same way about the AFC West. So I don't feel bad there. And to your point, the wide receivers, that's been the hot talking point in the Greg Roman era is do wide receivers not want to play for Greg Roman? Is it wide receivers don't trust Lamar Jackson as a passer? I think you're going to find out a lot about that in the next few months. Free agency is a month away. Wide receivers are going to have the option to play for Baltimore if they choose to. And right now, as it sits, they have Rashad Bateman. They have Demarcus Robinson, Devin Duvernay, Sammy Watkins, James Proche, and Tylen Wallace. Yeah, you have Mark Andrews. He's going to be phenomenal as a pass-catching tight end. But you need not only – like, we're beyond the days if you only need one. You need two very good wide receivers in the NFL to win a championship. They don't have one right now. Rashad Bateman, he's solid. Devin Duvernay has done much better than I think anybody expected him to. But it's not nearly enough to make me believe that this is an offense that's ready to take another step. So we'll see if they bring in free agent help because that's the only way that I can even think that this ends up working out. But I want to go to the last big thing before we get into our head coaches and we'll wrap up. Jim Leonard. I texted our buddy Zach Youssef earlier today. He is going to be a star. Whether it's in college or the NFL, he's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. He has this really aggressive 3-4 defense that has given the Big Ten fits. If Wisconsin ever learned how to throw a football in the last, like, five decades, I mean, they would have had a playoff defense with Jim Leonard. And they were that good. The problem was that you, you have Graham Mertz and you have that running style. Anyways, when 
I heard that they were going to interview Jim Leonard for the defensive coordinator position that just opened up. I don't think that there has ever been a coordinator possible hiring that has me more fired up. It might turn into Philadelphia Eagles Wally 2.0 next year because if they have Leonard, it is, to me, a dream. I mentioned the aggressive 3-4. We know how deep they are at the nose tackle position, defensive tackle position as a whole, but he loves aggressive safeties, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to be a problem in a Jim Leonard defense. The reason I brought this up is that they lost both their coordinators two head coaching jobs in the last week. So let me know about your thoughts on Jim Leonard, and you can let us know about those coordinators leaving too if you'd like. This says I, I, I know very little about Jim Leonard other than he's super respected in league circles for, you know, he was a 10-year NFL safety for anyone who didn't know. So he's got a lot of connections in the NFL just from his tenure as a player. So he's widely respected for his time at Wisconsin and his time in the NFL. So that's all I really know about him. I don't watch enough Big Ten football to comment on him as a coordinator. Uh, I find it hilarious, and I also find it funny that Steve's not on the podcast for me to say this out loud. I find it hilarious that this guy has been grooming in the Packers' backyard for years now and they're going to ride it out with Joe Barry who's most whose best accolade is being the defensive coordinator on the 0 and 16 Lions. I'm so happy that you brought that up because Steven would tell you and anybody that's in Wisconsin Twitter world would tell you Packer fans have been clamoring for Jim Leonard for not a couple years but for a while. He's that respected and like you said it it's happened in their backyard. They've watched it firsthand. He's taking a very average talent-wise defense in the Big Ten and turning him to the Iowa Hawkeye kind of look. So love that you brought that up, David. Yeah, I just like I, that's that's all I know, and I find it funny. So as far as the Eagles coordinators go, right, I think I go back and forth on these coordinators with where they – were they good? At, were they propelling Sirianni forwards and the team forwards? Is it Sirianni who's pulling the team forward? Is it a combination of all three plus the unbelievable talent group of the team? I lean towards the third, right? So I think Sirianni is a solid coach, a good coach but I think that it is in tandem with an incredible roster and good coordinators. I don't think either of those coordinators are going to be successful head coaches. And it's not because I don't think they're good. I just, there's nothing about them that screams. This guy is going to be an NFL head coach for 20 years. There's just something about it. It just doesn't feel like it was the coordinators who were so good that this team was propelled forwards by them. It just kind of feels like they, they took advantage of great talent and they were good enough and we got there. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything to me. I, I don't think the Eagles are going to be, it's going to look like they're worse off because they're losing a lot of talent this off season, but I don't think they're actually worse off for having lost both coordinators. We had the talk the last few weeks about Jonathan Gannon, especially because Zach Youssef, again, our friend, we had him on last year. He was talking about how there's a lot of Eagle fans out there 
Philadelphia media that thinks Jonathan Gannon more or less should have been the scapegoat for the failures or not even failures. They lost three games this year, but you get what I'm saying. The shortcomings of the Philadelphia team fell on him that he was somehow underachieving with the defense that they had. So the Cardinals hiring him makes perfect sense because that is such a Arizona Cardinals move where you have Lou Anarumo sitting there primed for the taking. And instead you go with Jonathan Gannon, who we've seen people call the sixth grade science teacher with how awkward his engagement was. That can be good sometimes because you feel like the guy's a super genius, but there's other times you need to connect with players. And that was why if one of the two head coaching hires that happened this week from Philadelphia's backyard, it's not Arizona. Arizona is going to continue to do what the Cardinals do. And that's be a middling franchise that makes middling hires that disappoints you in a year out. It's Indianapolis Colts. Shane Steichen. I, I always want to call him Steichen, by the way. It's spelled like it should be Steichen, but it's Steichen is, as far as I understand. He's done a lot in the last few years. And you can argue that maybe it's aided by the talent of the quarterback that he's been coaching. But Justin Herbert's rookie year was record-breaking. We saw a jump from Jalen Hurts this year that was staggering. There are things that have you really excited as a Colts fan. First of all, because Jeff Saturday is not your coach anymore. That's a pretty freaking big win. But if beyond that, this is a guy that, like, I hate a quote in his uh, introductory press conference that I absolutely adored because I think it's where the NFL needs to be as a coaching staff right now. Throw to score points, but you run to win games. And that's what he did in Philadelphia. And look at the team he's going to. It is built like a maybe slightly less talented twin of the Eagles with a very good O-line under Chief last year that has a very good running back that needs to be able to run the ball. And they're going to be bringing in a young quarterback, you'd imagine, fourth overall pick. And if they do, this is a guy you're betting on to develop. He's done it with Herbert. He's done it with Hurts. I'd be fired up as a Colts fan. If I'm a Cardinals fan, it's just like, it's another day at the office. It's what we do here. I, I got nothing for them. I don't know. Plus, Jim Bob Cooter's back. Like, all-time name list, by the way. Could being hired under Stetson. But, David... That's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Lost It Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down, and our Twitter at Down underscore Loss. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. David, we're not going to have a show on Thursday. We're going to take a few days off. We'll be back next Monday, all three of us, full force. Any big plans for the weekend? I don't think so. I don't know. So maybe, maybe not. I don't think I have any plans this weekend. Mayhaps is what my sister would tell you is mayhaps is right. We'll have Steven back. We'll get a little insight from him on the Aaron Rodgers debacle. Also might have something to do with the Jets holding out, waiting on Derek Carr, playing a little game of chicken. But also Aaron Jones restructured his deal. Going to have to hear his take on it because you and I, David, anti-running back, paying camps. But they did reduce a little. We'll get Steven's thoughts. Otherwise, only thing I have to tell you guys, I started re-watching NCIS a few weeks ago, binging the show. I completely forgot how good that show was. Oh, it's, oh yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's like great cable television. Just 
entertaining throughout short and sweet great cable television plus i'm a person that gets attached to characters and can't let them go so the fact that it's a show that lasts forever and you have 15 episodes a year for eight years with denozo with ziva like 20 seasons with gibbs i'm all for it anyways david you're the man we will see you next monday also before you do the ad read uh yep. I think I'm craving Taco Bell for the whole asking everyone question. <laughs> That's like, even better. Thai sounds delightful, but I have a funny feeling that my girlfriend is going to want Thai tomorrow after work. So Plan I'm ahead. planning ahead, and I'm just going to get Taco Hell tonight, I think. I think that's Dude, you're not going to get any negative feedback from Taco Bell with me. I just miss Quesaritos. They blew Dude, and they got yes. rid of those. Quesaritos. I love their, uh, what is it, their beefy... God, what is it? Beefy. It's not the beefy five layer. I'm going to figure this out. Stand by while I look to see what my. Quesaritos? No, there's a different burrito now that they have that I fucking love. Stand by. I'm standing by. I'll do my ad read and then after I'll stop talking and you can tell me. Oh, beefy melt burrito. That's what I was looking for. What's all in it? I'm not a sour garlic. cream guy, so bear with me. That I hate is... sour cream, so... Welcome. Welcome, brother. Yeah. Hate sour cream. So I get it without sour cream every time. But seasoned rice, seasoned beef, nacho cheese sauce, fiesta strips, which are just like little Doritos crushed up, uh, three cheese blend, and sour cream, but I get it without sour cream. Fucking slaps. That sounds delicious. Do you know... Because I'm not a... Uh... Taco Bell enthusiast as much as I would like to be. We don't have one around here, believe that or not. But there is the sauce that used to be on the quesarito. It was like a barbecue ranch combo is the best I can describe it. It made chicken and beef quesaritos. And I miss it with my entire heart. Is that something you think you can still order? Like quesarito sauce? I can still order quesarito here. Seasoned beef or steak. Get the hell out of here. You can get quesaritos where you're at. Buddy, come get drunk with me. We'll drunk order Taco Bell. <laughs>